for me, I am, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a new dancer. Uh, I haven't been dancing since I was a child, uh, as far as at the capacity I'm dancing at today. Uh, so I, I've been training maybe for eight years now. So I, not only did I have dance classes several nights a week, I also was going to the gym. And that's how I was able to just keep that physicality and maintain and, and, and to, to, to be able to keep up with the amazing professionals I'm dancing with right now. So I had to, to step it up. And when COVID hit, everything just stopped. Everything, the weights, uh, the dance classes. Uh, we did have Zoom dance classes, but it just it, it, it was really difficult for me to do that in my living room. And I'm, I'm very... Um, I like to be present. I like to be in a room. I like to feel what what is being instructed to me. Um, for me, it's it, it's it's how I survive. And it was like it almost cut my lifeline off, you know. And and, and there were there were ways of dealing with that, you know, through Zoom. But again, it was just really difficult for me. Welcome back to Arts Across NC, a podcast by and about the North Carolina Arts Council. So far this season, we have spent time with arts organizations from across the state. We've heard about their struggles and successes and how some of the necessary pivots they made to persevere have opened up doors to new practices that will stick around as we optimistically move forward. Beyond the material struggles artists and organizations faced over the last two years, there was also an ever-present and less explored internal struggle. Being an artist, specifically a teaching artist, isn't just a career. It's an identity. And when you can't do the job that makes you who you are anymore, well, who are you then? Today, we'll be talking with two teaching artists, Alfredo Hurtado, an Army veteran, professional dancer and actor, and Lakeitha Blakeney, a theater educator and writer from Concord, North Carolina. Alfredo and Lakeitha both had to answer that question. Without my art, who am I? I am Lakeitha Blakeney. I go by uh, Keitha B in my uh, performing arts world. I definitely think I went through those five stages of grief. Um, initially, I would say, because I know the dates, March 13th, 2020, I had like lined up my year. I was doing really well. When you're freelancing in North Carolina and I had those jobs that were overlapping, I had just finished the show acting, I had two teaching gigs, and I was about to start, I was in the middle of directing Babe the Sheep Pig, and then March 14th, I started to get emails throughout the day saying that we were stopping until further notice, and I was like, oh, snap, but I still thought like, okay, well, I'm a little tired, so I could use a break, I thought a week, two weeks tops, and we'll be back at it again, and it never came back. So that's when I learned I'm the type of person that needs something to do. I need somewhere to go every day. So I'm in the house all day, every day. And then I would find myself just sitting around eating and crying. I cried a lot. And I was like, why am I crying so much? And then I realized that I was actually grieving theater. Theater as I knew it before COVID, it is gone. It is absolutely gone because even when we go back into the theater, there's still all, it's still always in the back of your mind in this space. I'm with all these people and it's still there. It still hovers there. And I said, okay, you're going to have to figure out how do you do this now? How do you do it? If you never make it back to the stage, what if theaters never open again? 
what are you going to do? You are somebody who is a theater artist. That's for the most part, all I've ever done. That's the only work I've ever done since I graduated from college. What are you going to do? I started to look in through all my portfolios. I was like, what do I have in here? Because I needed something, you know, because I said, I have to pull up out of this, this sludge that I'm in, this valley that I'm in right now. I have to pull up. What can I do? And I started looking through all my stuff and I found these little manuscripts of these stories that I had written years ago called uh, Princess Fearless. So I pulled them out again and I started to read them. I was like, this is a pretty good little story. You should finish it. So I started doing the research. Okay, how do I publish a book? How do I do that? And then I found people in place that I was able to work with virtually. I got a career coach to help me um, get some direction because I felt very all over the place with that. I got a therapist. I got a life coach and a therapist. And we had virtual meetings. And those two things truly saved my life. They absolutely saved my life because not only... COVID was compounding things that I was already dealing with. COVID did, had a, a brilliant way of shining a light on stuff that you were trying to keep hidden and you didn't want to deal with. So you were left to your own devices. You were just alone with your thoughts and like, oh, snap, I got I to gotta do something about this. Learning how to pivot was essential. Figuring out how to use your other skill sets and make them work for you and work for other people were so important during this time and from here on out. While Akita was learning how to pivot both for financial and personal fulfillment reasons, Alfredo's early days of the pandemic saw him facing those struggles in a very different way. As a disabled combat veteran, his financial stability was never in jeopardy, but his identity as a teaching artist was even more closely tied to his physical and mental well-being. Um, my situation is very unique because I am a retired disabled combat veteran. So for me, my teaching goes as far as when I go into the schools when I do the, the cartwheels, when we do the workshops uh, at Camp Lejeune and, and Bragg, you know, that's uh, the bulk of my work uh, is with Black Box. As far as teaching in the studio, uh, you know, every night, doing different classes, I, I, I have done that. Um, so it didn't affect me when they closed down the studios. It more, it more affected me, um, like my mental and my physical health, uh, because this is what I... This is what, this is what keeps me alive. This is what saved my life. You know, this, this dancing and, and being an artist, besides being a dad and a husband and all that other good stuff, but this is what really keeps me centered and balanced and, and able to survive. So for me, it was, it was difficult when everything ended because that's my therapy. That's like my lifeline. This is what I need to, this is what I need to stay alive. These are real struggles almost everyone faced one way or another during the pandemic. A lack of real connection, unnecessary distance from your family and peers and strangers, things that can't be replicated in a virtual setting. As vaccination rates went up and restrictions were lifted, the light at the end of the tunnel shone brighter and traditional classes started to be offered again. But being away from the world that they called home for nearly two years led to some uncertainty when they re-entered it. Questions and doubts surfaced for both Lakeitha and Alfredo. Am I safe to go back? Will my work still be appreciated? Initially, there was a lot of anxiety around it. 
because as a teacher, anybody that teaches in the school system or in a after school situation knows that just in general, we keep a bug. Like there's always a cold going around. Like some kid always has some sort of something. And this COVID just added another layer to that anxiety because we always get sick. That was something I've always gotten sick. So being vigilant about keeping your mask on, keeping your hand sanitizer and all that kind of stuff. But kids are still kids and they're very touchy feely. I have kids who want to hug every day and, and then to not be able to give them that thing that they need. So then we have to figure out like our fist bumps going to work, elbow bumps going to work. Sometimes we have to do it in a goofy way. So they don't feel like they're losing things. Like we do like toe taps or knee taps or anything like that. We can make it silly and fun for them. Um, But there were still moments where kids would have emotional moments and you forget momentarily and you are just a person in that moment. And you show some compassion to a kid and then you have the anxiety about it. So I got to a point where I said, okay, I have to do my due diligence. Got a little vaccine, all those things. And I have my mask. I have my hand sanitizers. I'm going to just have to do my best and live my life because I can't live it in this state of paranoia and anxiousness because that's where I was. It's like I moved out of like severe depression into paranoia and anxiousness going back to work, even though I was happy to go back to work. And now theater is making it slow, very, very slow crawl back. And two years later, I'm back in the middle of directing Babe the Sheep Pig. (laughs) Again, we'll say we're going to try again. And it's fun because a couple of the kids that are in the show this time around were in it before. And when they walked in, that's what they said. Let's try again. See if we can do it again. That's what they, I said. Yeah, we're going to get through it this time. We're going to actually do it this time. It was like I got a humongous shot in my arm. And I literally did to do this. But I got a humongous, humongous shot in my arm of, of just life. Of just like, hey, okay, the world is, is, is starting back up again. And we're we're going to be able to do what we need to do or what we have been doing. That's that's been keeping me alive, but but helping others as well. And so it's it's definitely a a give and take situation here. I go in giving it my all and telling my story. And in return, it, it, it helps me heal. Our first school workshop was in Edenton, North Carolina. And if, if y'all ever been to Edenton, it's, it's a beautiful place. It, it really is right off the water. And, and the people are amazing. And we got to work at uh, John Holmes High School. And we were in a gymnasium. And, you know, a gymnasium can be really loud. But usually that's where we go. You know, we'll go anywhere. And wherever you send us, we'll go. It was great because we walk into this not knowing what to expect because we're, we're, we're dealing with this pandemic. And I'm sure the kids are, are looking at us walking and going, well, what's going on right now? You know, they're, they're, they're probably uncomfortable as it is. So we go into this gymnasium, you know, we're, we're starting over. We, we really are. We truly are. But I don't, I don't think that's what happened. I think we just kind of like, we're, oh, let's continue where we left off. At, at first, it, it, felt, it felt a little, just a little slightly off. We, we recognized what was happening and it was like, okay, this is, this is brand new. We gotta, we gotta kind of like take it back to the basics and, and and do this thing. But but just the fact of of doing that, right, with the kids as well, like learning and 100% participation. 
all the kids would come down. They would start doing it. By the end of the week, before our big performance, I mean, these kids are like, when are you coming back? And for me right there, that moment is like, <gasps> okay. Because uh, honestly, as, as, a, uh, as an adult middle-aged person, and I have a 20-year-old now, it's interesting to see the perspective of, of that generation and that age. Uh, and so when you walk in, you're like, man, I hope I can get through to them, right? Because sometimes, you know, as a parent, you don't feel like you get through to your child. But, but you do. I believe I do just with the experience that I've had parenting now. But it's like, I, I wonder how or if we'll be able to reach them, you know, and, and get and, and kind of like let them know why we're here you know, and, and what we're trying to do. And so the end of the workshops, they were like, you know, we want to see you guys again. Uh, they had a, a big football game that Friday um, and it was for States or something like that. And and we had a performance that same, the same time or, or like a little earlier before the game, but it was an away game and it was, it was a little distance. So students that were going to the game showed up to our performance where we performed right there by the water they showed up just to see a little bit of it and and for me that was like wow okay so we're needed you know we're needed because people need to express themselves somehow during all this you know we can we can verbally say it and and you know that that's good but there's got to be more and providing that you know thinking out of the box and doing something physically or or not that you normally do or typically do and find some sort of a different outcome than what you expected. That's the moment for me that was like, yes, you know, that was, we're back. (laughs) We're back. Alfredo also spoke to the importance of his work as a teaching artist reaching those more rural areas like Edington, North Carolina. He shared why he values bringing a gift of dance to those underserved communities. I think the only difference really is, is, accessibility to things uh, in Raleigh you can go to different places and find a, a modern dance company or, or dance company and and you'll be able to you know and you have access to it you can watch it and and, and use it do a dance class or, or watch a performance uh whereas in these rural areas there's not too much access to it so going into a rural town in North Carolina well number one it's like one of my favorite things to do the state is so beautiful. There's so much to see. And going in, you know, is like, this is a new place for, for us, for me to bring what I'm doing. You know, uh, I never know what to expect because honestly, dance is terrifying and people, people can be very reluctant to do it. In, in my mind, when, when I go into a rural area, I feel like, you know, the people are, are, you know, hardworking and the family and, and, and their their town, their neighborhood, what they believe in. And we want to go in and we don't want to change anything. We just want to bring who we are and we want to bring what we're doing. And, you know, we're not there to change anybody, but maybe offer a different perspective. We go into a rural town and we're, we're welcomed. We're so welcomed. It's, it's so warm and, and welcoming and, and people are curious. They want to know, what are we doing there? And so we go in and, and we do our thing. And the response is always the same. It, you know, we meet, we meet people where they're at. We, we, we tell them who we are, why we're there. We do it. They watch it. They participate. And then they can't get enough of it. I, and, I, and I have to tell you, every place that we've gone to in the state has been amazing. I, 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 that's why I love this place so much. 
I closed my conversation with Lakitha, asking her to offer some advice to her fellow teaching artists during this time. I would say to them and to everybody, give yourself a little bit of grace. All the compassion and understanding that you have for other people, make sure you have it for yourself and give yourself some grace and take care of yourself. Do what you need to do for you because if you are on E, if you are empty, you have nothing else to pour into anybody else. So you have to take care of yourself and give yourself some grace and give yourself a high five because you are doing a good job. You are doing an excellent job. You can pick up a copy of Lakitha's book, Princess Fearless at keithab.com. Alfredo can be found at blackboxdancetheater.org. He will also be performing in Raleigh Little Theater's presentation of Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights starting on June 3rd. I'm your host, Kaisha Jennings. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Arts Across NC, a podcast by and about the North Carolina Arts Council. As always, a huge thanks to our special projects coordinator, Sam Gerwick, for handling audio production. The original music you've been hearing is by local hip-hop producer Millie Vaughn. Make sure to visit us at ncarts.org slash podcasts and follow us on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. See you next time.